All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. It's so good, so good to see all of you back in person. It's really good to have the energy back in the room. Glad to have people with us on a Sunday morning. Um, I know many of us were carrying some anxiety the last few days with the freeze, hoping we wouldn't repeat what happened last year. So in some ways, it's kind of nice that we're just having to deal with a water boil. It's kind of, you know. Um, and so we're extremely grateful uh, that we can all be here together. And as of you and us and all of us have experienced, you know, it's been this unending season of disruptions and starts and stops and resets and reevaluating and reimagining. And I know it's impacted our, our ability uh, to remain grounded, to remain connected uh, to each other, to God. And as a leadership team, you know, we've had to continually uh, reevaluate what it means to offer community and connection in a safe and meaningful way. And we've tried to be rooted and guided by our values, you know, by empathy, by mystery, by participation and peculiarity and, and artistry. And our hope um, is to really embody those and live those out. And we're trying our best um, to really be the church in an ongoing pandemic. So uh, we're grateful for your patience, for your understanding, um, and just being uh, with us as we try to navigate this all together. And so before we jump in, uh, I just want to give a moment uh, just to check in, you know, and just to reflect on this question. Um, how are you all re-entering this space this morning? You know, what are you feeling? What are you bringing with you as we regather again together? And so I'll give you a moment uh, to share that with someone near you or for those of you online. Uh, feel free to throw your thoughts on the live chat. So I'll give you a moment to do that. All right. Well, it's really good to see you all interact again see you all connect again. <clears throat> if you're okay with sharing some of your reflections, I'd love to hear just, you know, where are we as a community? So anyone, how are you coming this morning? How are you entering this space? Excitement? Okay. Thanks for sharing that. Anyone else? Some anxiety? Okay. Tears or fears? Tears. tears. Yes. <laughs> and and uh, tears. Anyone else? Weary. Definitely some tiredness. Well, I appreciate y'all sharing. Uh, grateful that we can kind of collectively hold what we're all bringing with us this morning. So something that uh, our family has been doing together recently, and I think many of you all have as well, um, we've been playing this game called Wordle. <laughs> Who's been playing? Anyone? Okay. So it's this word puzzle game that each day uh, there's a new five-letter word that you have to guess. And everyone has to guess. It's the same word for everyone. And the game tells you, you know, what letters are correct or what letters are in the right place. And you get six tries to guess the word. 
And so it gets a bit competitive at the Lee household. And when I say that, what I mean is that it's actually just me. I'm the competitive one. And it usually takes me like four guesses or so. Sometimes I can get three. Um, but I think last week, Brittany texted the, the uh, staff group chat that she, she had to flex a little. She got in two guesses. It's pretty impressive. Anyone else gotten two before? Okay. I see you. I see you. All right. But what I love about this game and the experience is that even though everyone starts with a different guess and everyone has a different path to discovering this word, everyone's goal is really to move towards this same word. And for us, even as we reset and we reorient, and you know, even though we've heard how each of us are coming in different places, our hope is that we're still collectively moving toward Christ in whatever capacity we can. And I acknowledge that all of us are in different places, as we've heard, you know, whether it's despair or tears, whether it's even gratitude or excitement, whether it's anxiety or confusion. And many of us, including myself, you know, we have a feeling uh, of a mix of all of that. And however you come today, you know, our text this morning is inviting us to consider what it might look like for us to move towards Christ in our own setting, at our own pace. And I acknowledge that some of us might not have the capacity to consider any kind of movement right now because there's just so much fatigue, and that's okay. Maybe the invitation is simply to reorient ourselves, and as we recover energy, to begin to take some tiny steps. And so the question I'd like us to consider this morning is that as we continue to navigate this season of disruption and disconnection and polarization, how are we invited to move toward Christ? Even in the midst of fatigue and uncertainty, what are we being invited toward when Jesus asks to follow him? And as we read about the experience of the original disciples and how Jesus invites them to follow him, we're also invited to consider what we're moving toward in our own journey of following Christ. And so we start in verse 1. Once, while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, who's Simon Peter, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. And so this picks up where we left off last Sunday in the Gospel of Luke when Christopher talked about how Jesus went back to his hometown. And instead of getting a homecoming celebration, instead he gets this mob that's ready to push him off a cliff because they didn't like what he was teaching and what he was calling out in them. And yet he models a way of nonviolence to drive home the point for them. And so after leaving his hometown, he travels along the Sea of Galilee, and crowds are gathering wherever he goes, 
And so here, after he finishes teaching, he invites Simon Peter to go out into the deep water to catch some fish. And I wonder what Peter is thinking. Right? Maybe he's confused why this traveling preacher with a background in woodworking is telling him how to fish. Or maybe he's offended that he's being told how to do his job. Or maybe there's something that sparks his curiosity about why Jesus would make this request. Does Jesus know something that he doesn't? You know, the Greek word that's used for deep water here is bathos, which also captures a mystical deepness, something that might be unknowable. And so Jesus is inviting Peter out into the deep to consider beyond his knowledge and resources. And Jesus is present with him as he heads towards that unknown. And so for us, moving toward Christ is an invitation to welcome mystery and presence of God. Instead of grabbing for certainty and control, Jesus invites us to acknowledge our limitations and to enter spaces of uncertainty and unknowing. In the 14th century, there was an anonymous um, Christian mystic who wrote a book called The Cloud of Unknowing. And it focused on how God should not be understood by prayer. And you begin to glimpse the nature and presence of God when you're able to get to a place of unknowing. This is how Richard Rohr reflects. He says that the cloud of unknowing conveys the fathomless mystery of God and that God can only be known by loving presence, contemplation. When we reach the end of what we know, that's where we find God. That's why St. Dionysius said that the best, most divine knowledge of God is that which is known by not knowing. That's our invitation to mystery. To understand that God can't be fully known in terms of knowledge and that God can be known through presence. Jesus is challenging Peter's certainty of knowledge and disrupting his patterns of control. He knows that Peter can't engage mystery and understand God's abundance until he experiences it for And so Jesus is present with Peter as the uncertainty of deep water. You know, I recently came across um, a video of Sky Brown, who's this 13-year-old skateboarding phenom. Uh, she started skating when she was three, uh, and she actually won uh, a medal at the most recent Olympics. And this video took place, uh, I think, last summer, right before the Olympics, I think when she was 12 years old. And she's at the top of this massive ramp. Um, so, warning, you might not want But you can see and feel the anxiety and the that she's carrying with her as she's about to do something she's never done before. So check out this video. Okay, don't. You got it.
I can't believe she was 12 when she did that. But what you don't see at the beginning of the video is that right up there with her, right next to her, uh, is Tony Hawk, the legendary like, OG. You hear his voice a couple of times. And so he's been down ramps like this many times before. He knows what it feels like. He knows what happens. And so he's right there. He's coaching her before and he's present, he's next to her, as she's about to jump into the deep waters of uncertainty. And I think that's why I find this text and invitation so relevant to what we're experiencing now. You know, all of us have been confronted with entering deep waters in this season. Whether it's been this ongoing pandemic, or broken relationships, or career changes, or the polarizing perspectives that keep drowning us. And we're probably feeling the same thing as Sky at the top of that ramp. Like, we really don't know how this is going to turn out. We really don't want to enter these spaces of uncertainty. We want control, easy answers, quick fixes. And yet we're invited to welcome mystery knowing that the presence of God is with us, just as Jesus was in the boat, present with Peter. And for us, maybe a practice we can try this week is just to consider how we're making space for mystery in the presence of God. How are we welcoming both the mystery and the presence of God in our lives? And how might that shape our ability then to hold space for non-dualistic conversation with people in our lives and in our communities. Finished speaking, he said, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a cat. In verse 5, Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long, but have caught nothing. Yet if you I will let down the nets. And so Simon Peter is just completed an all-nighter, right, without any fish to show for, and he's tired. They've already cleaned their equipment, and so they're ready to call it a day. And so he's definitely feeling fatigue. He's probably also feeling confusion and maybe frustration request. Peter probably has some doubts because he's being asked to do something that it goes against his reasoning, his training, his intuition. And yet there's something within Peter that chooses to be curious and to listen to Jesus' invitation. And for us, moving toward Christ is an invitation to consent to the way of Christ, to loosen our grip on whatever control we crave and instead find ways to be curious and to say yes 
to the invitations Christ offers us. And saying yes doesn't mean that we aren't going to carry doubt or confusion or hesitancy. Peter was probably carrying a lot of doubt and hesitancy. He might have been even carrying some resentment, right? Does Jesus even know how long we've been out there? Doesn't he realize that I've spent a whole lifetime learning how to fish? And even as we're experiencing our own version of fatigue and disruption, our invitation is to be curious, to consider what it looks like for us to consent to Christ. And when we reflect on the way of Christ, it might feel like we're being invited to something that goes against our reasoning and our training and our intuition. Loving our enemies. Forgiving those who've hurt us. Choosing a path of humility and downward mobility instead of power and influence. Caring for the poor. And if we're honest with ourselves, why is it that the teachings of Jesus give us pause and hesitation? Why does the life of Jesus create a struggle for us to embody? Maybe it's fear or uncertainty or fatigue or maybe our need for for comfort and safety. But how do we get to a place where consenting to the way of Christ can become a more natural response for us? You know, recently I was listening uh, to an episode of the Hidden Brain podcast, and they're talking about habits and what researchers have discovered about how to build good habits and how to break bad habits. And what I found helpful was them naming that willpower is probably the most, the least effective approach to take, right? Um, you know, even if you constantly watch um, Shia LaBeouf's motivation video, right? Just do it. Uh, it's probably not going to work. And yet that seems to be the main approach we take when it comes to our spiritual formation. And as we try to live the way of Christ, right? If we, we just need to do it. We just need to try harder. We just need to, to push through. We just, you know, punish ourselves if we don't do it. But in this podcast, they were talking about the idea of friction when it comes to our habits. That when we're trying to pursue healthy habits, part of our work is to remove or lessen friction that keeps us from practicing those habits. So, for example, if you're trying to get into the habit of running early in the morning, you know, maybe you can sleep in your running clothes. So that's one less step for you in the morning. It's not something I would ever do. It's something that they suggested. <laughs> On the flip side, right, but we're, when we're trying to stop unhealthy habits, our goal is to introduce friction somehow, right? To slow us down from these unhealthy habits. So, for example, if you're trying to be on your phone less, you would probably maybe put it in a different room or put it in a drawer somewhere because that creates just enough friction, just enough extra effort for you to not do some of these behaviors you're trying to avoid. And so for us, when it comes to saying yes to the way of Christ, what friction do we need to lower or to remove? Maybe a practice we can try this week 
is just to identify the sources of friction in our lives that keep us from consenting to the way of Christ. And then consider how we might lower that friction. So, for example, you know, Jesus' invitation to go into the margins, to care for the poor and the least of these, that can push up against the friction of our discomfort or fear. And maybe we can lower that friction by exploring a non-threatening experience like you know, writing letters or packaging books to send to prison inmates, which is what our partner here Inside Books does here at Vesper. Or Jesus' invitation to practice Sabbath and rest. And that seems to push up against the friction of how our bodies have been trained and wired to achieve and be productive. And maybe we can lower that friction by actually scheduling a designated time in your calendar, like an actual meeting, to pause and to be still. And whatever the invitation that Jesus is offering us to consider, how might we lower the friction that hinders our response? So Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long, but have caught nothing. Yet... If you say so, I will let down the nets. And then we close in verse 6. And when they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. And then Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. And I'll acknowledge that this language of you know, catching people is problematic. Right? Because it communicates a one-way relationship, which seems coercive. But that's what we were taught growing up in church, right? Our job was to literally trap and catch people, <laughs> which is pretty dehumanizing if you think about it. And it lacks any sense of mutuality. But having said that, you know, I do find it interesting that Jesus chooses to use a metaphor that's personalized to Peter's vocation and his identity. And this calling that Jesus offers him is rooted in who he is already and what he's been practicing and what he's skilled at to help gather people to follow and live in the way of Christ. And so for us, moving toward Christ is an invitation to reimagine the calling that's already in us. When we examine our identity and our gifts and the unique way that we've been made, it's an opportunity to align ourselves with and embody the way of Christ. And keep in mind what just happened here. You know, as fishermen, they just hauled in the catch of their career. There were so many fish they needed help from another boat, and still their nets couldn't hold all of it. And so not only was this a personal achievement, but financially, this would have set them up very nicely. And instead of strategizing what they would do with this amazing haul, they decide to leave everything there. The fish, their equipment, their boats, in order to follow Jesus. And there seems to be a shift in perspective where they come to an understanding that it's not about the fish or their career. In some ways, those were things, the external voices of how they should be utilizing their gifts and identity. 
And Peter experiences an epiphany that changes his perception of Jesus and himself. This is how Parker Palmer describes it. He says, Today I understand vocation not as a goal to be achieved, but as a gift to be received. Discovering vocation or our calling does not mean scrambling towards some prize just beyond my reach, but accepting the treasure of true self I already possess. Vocation does not come from a voice out there calling me to become something I'm not. It comes from a voice in here calling me to be the person I was born to be, to fulfill the original selfhood given me at birth by God. And that's what Christ is inviting us to examine and reimagine for ourselves. You know, part of my journey the last couple of years um, here at Vox have been extremely difficult, and they've also been extremely beautiful. You know, as we navigated staff transitions on top of this pandemic, it became an opportunity for me uh, to examine and to reimagine my own calling as a pastor. And I've always struggled uh, with imposter syndrome um, because, you know, thinking I had in my mind, thinking what a pastor or a leader should look like, right? There was this default image and model of a dynamic, you know, charismatic figurehead. And if I couldn't embody that, then I knew I wouldn't be able to offer a certain type of leadership. And it's taken me these last couple of years to really learn and lean into my own voice and my own unique skill sets that allow me to offer leadership and pastoral care in a way that only I can. And it's been so meaningful for me to understand that my calling isn't to lead in a way that's not who I am. And these last years have given me that space and that opportunity to discover and reimagine that for myself. And I'm grateful for you all. I'm grateful for this community, for entrusting me and for offering me the space and the grace to grow into who I am. And so, my, so Vox, my hope for each of us is that we would continue to discover and reimagine how each of our lives can become more aligned with the way of Christ in an authentic way. And as we continue to navigate this season of uncertainty and disruption, that we would move towards Christ and welcome both the mystery and the presence of God. And so let me close with this prayer. God, who is both known and unknown, who transcends our limited understanding. May we welcome the spaces of mystery, knowing that you are near and with us. Jesus, who invites us to the deep waters, where the depth of uncertainty is met with a depth of abundance. May we learn how to trust and embody the way that you taught and lived. And Spirit, who has gifted each of us with a unique image and identity, May we reimagine ourselves and see through your lens what it means for us to follow. And so we ask all this in love of God, our creator, the mystery of Christ, and the accompaniment of the Spirit. 
Amen.